This recording or podcast is on the topic of parallel capacitance. I've done a few simulations in which I add parallel capacitance. I can't remember if I add it to a coil or to a capacitor. Um, I think it was to coils, actually, now that I think of it. Well, this is perfect. Okay. And I would get a certain gain. And, of course, I chose a parallel capacitance that was very small, but when I monkeyed with it, I can't remember which way, if I increase or decrease the parallel capacitance, this is in microcap 12, I would increase my gain um, that I was getting of over-unity from the circuit. And since most of the time my circuits just blew up, just meant it blew up quicker. Um, so let's see, the idea here, I don't know, I don't think, I'll venture to guess the Amon brothers did not do this, and I think this is a subject of what Tesla may have done in his Piercero in order to shrink down the size of his circuit. If he's using the same circuit, and I suspect he is. Um, and if those so-called vacuum tubes, some of them were not vacuum tubes, but pressurized tubes of a noble gas, then <clears throat> there's three different things that he can do to boost the gain despite to compensate for the shrinkage of his apparatus. And one fact is that he might have just used... Um, well, okay, we got two sides to the circuit, essentially. With a, No, actually, we got three segments of the circuit. The aluminum, the copper, and the iron. Come on. <laughs> um, so I think I've already stated that if the um, iron tube is elongated so as not to be a uh, wide diameter of barrel-shaped um, iron winding, if instead it's elongated along its... Um, spin axis, shall we say, the uh, the turns axis of the coil and made into a narrow, long tube, it may be possible to get a gain because now you can take your aluminum, your two aluminum um, plates or sheets um, that are coated with a dielectric, shrink them to fit, <laughs> continue to... Uh, um, sustain the fact that they have to fit inside and then put them further apart from each other which will diminish their capacitance with each other and thus create a greater prismatic effect of accelerating um, the passage of the dielectric between them. <clears throat> now, if he wants to shrink down the copper side um, into glass vesicles that are pressurized. Well, first of all, he'd pressurize them in order to increase the mass, and the pressure is going to increase the frequency of oscillations um, and increase the intensity at the same time, because everything in in the gas law, uh, Boyle's, what is it, Boyle's gas law, is directly related, unlike Ohm's law, which things are inversely uh, related. But here, everything's directly related, so if he increases the mass of gas to compensate for the shrinkage of size, to match, 
I guess, the mass of what was in the larger device, the Amman device, but also increase the pressure um, and not merely to um, increase the mass but to go along with the, temp the idea of temperature which will affect the frequency and the intensity of the oscillations of the random oscillations of the plasma inside the plasma state of the, let's say, noble gas. Um, and maybe he chose a noble gas whose um, breakdown voltage is higher than neon or helium, more closer to air. Um, maybe it was simply air. <laughs> Whatever. Um, well, air is mostly nitrogen, so maybe he used pure nitrogen. There you go. I don't know. I don't know the properties of gases, you know, when they become a plasma. That would be something, a study in itself. But, but basically, it's essentially a problem in increasing efficiency um, in order to compensate for the shrinkage of the size of the Amman device so he could fit it in a two-foot-long box that was uh, a foot square or whatever it was that he put on the bench seat to his immediate right. Um, but there's another factor besides pressurization. And I've stated before, it's worth repeating, the only reason why Peter Sava was there was to monitor, eyeball the gauge, the pressure gauge on the dashboard to make sure the, the um, tubes of pressurized gas of some sort or another would maintain a certain level of pressure and not go abo above or, beyond or below that range, that window that it had to be maintained at to maintain the power level at the level that the whole um, system was designed to operate at. And I've already stated that um, with four-phase power, you may not need a motor controller. Your foot is, would be adequate because everything is essentially single-phase with a twist, shall we say, as Eric Dolly puts it, but I still don't fully understand it. Uh, how does counterwinding of single-phase coils make it possible for them to accommodate four-phase? But be that as it may, I'll figure it out. I'll learn one of these days. <laughs> I'll learn. I'll, I'll have that aha moment whatever, something will help me understand. But the other thing to help compensate for the shrinkage of the size of the Amman circuit is an orgone blanket concept. Now, we all know about what orgone blankets are, but why do they have... Why are they built that way? What gives them the advantage of that would otherwise not occur if the orgone blanket layering ply layering is not conducted. It's called parallel capacitance. <laughs> when it's you because the orgone blanket is is the boundary condition, it's it's modifying the boundary condition of a dimensional space um, that's already got a boundary, but we're modifying it. So we've got this um, glass vesicle and it's a dielectric. Now, the material of the um, Amman device, the copper and um, huh, spherical uh, copper boundary condition is inductive. It has some boundary condition of parallel capacitance, but for the most part it's an inductor. Very low inductance, but it's not glass. 
So we want something more similar, but on the other hand, we also want, in terms of typology, but we also want something more similar in terms of um, um, par- uh, parameter, parametric value. So we want, a, want to elevate the parallel capacitance of these glass vesicles and give them um, a certain level of inductance that's minor, but will be there. And what is parallel capacitance? Well, it's at right angles to series capacitance. So if, if we link up a bunch, a series of capacitors, we... Um, oh, see, now it's the opposite of what I thought. We reduce their um, overall capacitance, but if it's parallel capacitance and we increase um, a sequence of capacitances that are at right angles to the flow of uh, current or <laughs> voltage, <laughs> orientation of voltage, shall we say, um, then we're actually having the opposite effect. We are um, increasing capacitance. Okay? So I, I can't remember when I simulated which way it worked, but according to this logic, it would have to be the increase of parallel capacitance will boost the gain. And we do that by layering, by doing an orgone blanket style layering on the um, surface of the glass vesicles. In other words, we put on, let's see, so it's glass, so we put on, let's say that we put it on the outside. We, we could just as easily put it on the inside when we make them, I suppose. But let's say I'm a dummy and I don't know how to do this, so I do it on the outside because it's easier for me. So its glass would be the substrate, and that's also your structure that's going <laughs> to hold the damn thing, but um, hold everything together, give it structure. But now we're going to put on like a kind of like electroplating effect. Well, in the case of the conductive material, at any rate. But and that's our first layer on top of the glass. Well, we will electroplate um, some conductive material. It could be silver, could be copper. That is suitable. Um, suitably conductive with low resistance. Not iron. We don't want to make it magnetic. But either copper or silver, uh, whatever's suitable. I don't know, aluminum. I guess it should be copper, right, to have the properties of copper. So let's say it's copper. So we electroplate copper on top of the surface, uh, the outer surface of these pressurized, what's going to become a pressurized vesicle or, or vessel. I don't know why I want to say vesicle. <laughs> um... I don't even know what a vesicle is. Um, and then we have to add a layer of dielectric. So I guess we spray it on. Um, it could be wax, you know, what was popular in those days. Mark McKay states that Tesla, it was his favorite dielectric to shove into the windings of a coil after he had already shoved co- uh, cotton in there. But it was actually prevalent in that era. Everybody used this formula of beeswax, pine rose, and, and carnauba wax. They just had their own recipe, and there were so many recipes. I looked it up, <laughs> so it wasn't just Tesla. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> but he had his own favorite proportionality. That's it. Thank you. Okay. Still goes to Mark McKay. 50% or, you know, 5% carnauba wax, and then the balance was 50% pine rose and 50% beeswax. So let's say it's sprayed on somehow in order to get a nice thin layer. I don't know. 
but the technique would have to be done to get as thin as possible. And then you electroplate on another layer of copper, let's say. And according to Oregon blanket um, techniques, from what I recall, you can go up to six or seven uh, ply, each ply being your layering, but only three or f to four is really necessary because the gain drops off with each ply that you apply. <laughs> um, and it becomes impractical to add any more than six or seven, but three or four is optimal in terms of practicality. So let's say we add three or four ply of these layers, um, a comp composition of layers, in which there's only two. Um, a copper layer followed by a dialectic layer. Um, did I say that right? Yeah, I guess so. So now we've got this thing sealed, outer and inner, with a dialectic material, and we have alternating, uh, we, and we have inserted uh, three or four layers of conductive material along with three or four layers of dialectic material in between these two outer layers, the, the inner layer being the glass vessel itself and the outer layer being the sprayed-on dialectic. Um, and we got an Oregon blanket, but we've got parallel capacitance which um, I'm guessing is going to um, boost um, our gain to compensate for the shrinkage of the circuit. So we still have the same exact circuit. We've just managed to shrink it and still get... The... Actually, while we're at it, we could get more power while we're at it because we have to. Because now we're powering a 4,000-pound vehicle to be able to accelerate to 90 miles per hour, both characteristics of which were not satisfied in the Amman case, were not the case, <laughs> because he had a little, mere, a little mere golf cart of an electric car which didn't weigh 4,000 pounds. It probably weighed a few hundred pounds at best, maybe. I don't know. Maybe a thousand. Let's say it was 1,000 pounds. Probably not. Well, it had an iron chassis, so it might have but I, I doubt it. <laughs> In any case, something far less than 4,000 pound Piercero. So we need more power, not merely to compensate for the shrinkage of the, of the circuit, but to simply give us more power because we need it. So, you know, Tesla was a fanatic. I, I, if, I, if, I don't, if you don't mind me using the word for efficiency, and... You know, he wasn't just doing over-unity concepts, but he was maximizing the efficiency of the circuit any which way he could in order to get as much out of it as he could and still, um, well, to stay within the parameters of the outcome that he wanted. And he needed a good outcome, and he needed to shrink the circuit down to be able to fit. Because if, if it was planned to be manufactured this way... It wouldn't be on the bench seat by his side. It would have been under under the hood, on the other side of the firewall. Because, you know, gasoline-engine-oriented cars do have a firewall between the passenger compartment and the engine. <laughs> Electric cars may not. They may have something else, just, you know, electrical insulation. But um, he would have, it would have had a firewall in there that two holes were drilled for the two cables to come through. Um... But it would have to fit where the engine used to be. Now we've got the... Uh, uh, and I've already covered the fact that an electric motor of four-phase design um, 
does not need a motor controller, so his foot on the pedal, the accelerator pedal, would have been his motor controller. Um, I don't suspect there was a need. I I've always suspected this, that there was never the need for a motor controller because everything was done more simply. Uh, the demands for the regulating regulation of power would have been simpler, but I didn't know how. Um, but now, because Eric Dollard has spoken of four-phase power, I can see, okay, yeah, you don't need a motor controller. Probably not, because it's single-phase power, essentially. But um, we, get four, we can get four-phase out of uh, what would otherwise essentially be single-phase power. Anyway, uh, it's worth repeating, though, <laughs> all in one recording. So I think this is how he managed to do the conversion, shall we say, which is not really a conversion at all, but um, the improvement of efficiency over the Amon device in order to get his to shrink down in size and fit inside a small box, a wooden box. And it was, I think it's also instructive that it was wood that was his project box. Because according to the ideologies of uh, the Odic Force by Rickenbach, I believe, Carl von Rickenbach, um, Wood is one of the few materials that is not dielectric, yet is still an insulator. It could have been cork, a cork box or whatever, but something fashioned out of wood because dielectric can store a charge. And then he'd have to worry about grounding it or how does he ground it with copper wire or iron wire, as, as uh, Eric Dollar has pointed out with the Adrian Marsh uh, and uh, video uh, recording that you did. Uh, Aaron of them doing something recently uh, in the shop um, testing out some equipment and, and the behavior of them um, and Eric mentioned it you know the need for iron wire to link the chassis see, the, very, the, the chassis of the various equipment together to cancel out their effect because they were metallic chassis but if you've got a wooden chassis you don't have to worry about any of that it keeps things nice and simple uh, let's see. So I've I've covered as much as I think I know how to cover. <laughs> Excuse me. So I think this is a very interesting idea. It came to me earlier in the evening, and I thought, oh, I'll keep it to myself. Uh, to keep it a secret, yeah. But you know, with me, I don't keep secrets. I just I I wish I knew how to. I I would make a terrible inventor. No profit margin whatsoever. Give away everything. Um, but actually, what it turns out is it it helps me familiarize myself with the concept so that I can get more juice out of it, <laughs> more more mileage, more use, because I'll understand it better if I wait and not blurt out and blab, oh yeah, I got this great idea, I just got it two seconds ago, and uh, I talk about something I really don't understand. So I get to understand it a little better now that I waited uh, and a couple hours, <laughs> a couple hours, oh well, whatever, and slept on it, you know. It's always good to sleep on things. As my grandma would always say, you'll be fresher in the morning. It'll, it looks hideous at night, but in the morning it'll look a lot, whole lot better. <laughs> my, my grandma's favorite saying. Okay, leave it at that.